This is exactly right. Adulting is hard, but it doesn't have to be impossible. If you want to hear more about ways you can actually live your best life, check out How to Be a Better Human. Each week, comedian Chris Duffy sits down with an expert to talk about the realistic and often unexpected ways you can improve your life. This season on How to Be a Better Human, learn how thinking about death can actually make your life happier, why it's never too late to make a change, and more. Find How to Be a Better Human wherever you get your podcasts. What a summer. Oh, are we, just, summer. Do, we just doing that? We're just doing that. Just, we're just doing what a summer. What a season. What a time. Oh, my God. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Adulting. I am Michelle Buteau. I'm with my friend and co-host, Jordan Edward Consuela Carlos. <laughs> yes. And we're out here. What a time to be alive. <laughs> You should now call me Versailles, Carlos, now. That's Ooh, because I went to France. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll get Shook to that. Wrong. We'll get to Shook that. But I, well, no, no, no. We in it now. We in it now? We in it? Okay. Yes. All right, fine. I got a, I got my BA for the train. So. I mean, look. Un BA, s'il vous plaît. I went to France with my family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was really fun. Um, I got the fresh baguette every day. Ooh. Here's something that I didn't know. The biggest surprise to me. Because you know me. I'm all like. Economics, man. Yes. Um, a baguette for a euro, which is a dollar ten. You're getting like a foot long sub of bread in your face for a dollar every morning. How are these people skinny? I don't get it. It was amazing. Um, my son stole a little bread, and then I photographed him running down the street. Um, and he looks like a little French boy. It was like something out of an old French film. Okay, because you know in America, if he stole bread, he'd be in jail. Yes, but we weren't. So it was like that's amazing. There was actually Black Boy Joy. It was free. It was it was nice to catch everybody up. Jordan took his family to France, and not just his family with his wife and kids, also his parents. Oh my god! Now and and this is like for the people who get this. This is all for the people who are not living this yet. We are in what is called the sandwich years. Okay, we are sandwiched <laughs> between generations. They are the bread, we are the meat. That's right. I talked to Julia and Will Miles about this all the time. Okay. Hilarious comedians. Julia Rossi, Will Miles, check the shit out. They're hilarious. Yes. And we should have them on the podcast. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of us right now within our, especially comedian friend circle group, where we are the meat and the sandwich. <laughs> and so <laughs> when I go out with my parents and my kids, Yes. I feel like an overworked, underpaid school teacher where I'm like, what do you need now? How do I fix this problem? Do I get a break? Can I go have an apple in a dark room and some tired coffee and just think about my decisions? But, you know, I look at, like, my parents growing up and they always had parties and, like, we're tipsy and just dancing and everybody just, like, learned how to take care of themselves. And I'm like... Why am I so concerned about how everyone's feeling? They're fine. And you know what place makes you feel okay with everyone's decisions to fuck around and not be on your own time? Is Europe. Because the old people can be old peopling. Yes. They can go to seven different restaurants to figure out what fucking menu they like and what seat is comfortable for their tired, judgy bones. You know? And then the kids can run around and just, like, take their shoes off and be little dicks. And people are like, aww. <laughs> aww. Look at this curly-haired nonsense. And so being in Europe actually makes you feel 
Relax. Now, yeah. you got to be in Europe with a little bit of money. You know, it's like getting over there, finding a quality place to stay. Yes. Finding a room that has a toilet and a sink. Okay. Can we talk about it? Come on. Why are all the toilets <laughs> just shoved away, taking up my closet space? <laughs> I want to do it all in the same room. I don't want to keep washing my hands. Door handle, door handle, door handle. Yuck, yuck, yuck. But anyways, tell me about Paris. I do. I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If we can start with the bathrooms. I honestly, I'm going to push back a second because I see the the wisdom in it. Because sometimes it's like when I'm showering and then somebody comes in, I'm like, oh, no, you're taking care of business. Mm -hmm. And I think the French had a great, I, I believe it was Napoleon who invented that. I don't know that for sure. Don't quote me, but we said it here first. Don't quote me. <sighs> so um, it was that. It was the tiny elevators within the apartment building. That's a no for me. Which was like suffocating me for my life. I am so claustrophobic. I don't even like to, you know, if I get a facial, they want to like cover my eyes. I said, don't do that. <laughs> and this lady's like, that sounds like a psychological. I said, bitch, you are not my therapist. You were here for the blackhead. <laughs> yeah. Who asked you, bitch? Oh my God. I don't go around telling people shit they don't want to hear. I know it, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, that's fun. You went to Paris. I had a vision in my head. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see my, my parents on top of the Eiffel Tower with my children. And I made that vision happen and it Aww. felt so good. And then I just kind of like passed out in a field. I couldn't believe that I actually mm -hmm. gotten the logistics together and like had the wherewithal and the resources to do it. And it was special. It was just really special. The thing is, when you go up to the Eiffel Tower and we waited so long, 90 minutes in the blazing sun. Oh no. And you get up there at the tippy top. Yeah. And people take a good look around and they're like, Okay, let's go down. And <laughs> Did you go to the little floor where you can make a phone call in the Eiffel Tower? No. What floor is that? There's a little floor where you can make a phone call in the Eiffel Tower. And I remember that I went with my friends in my 20s. And uh, my friend, her one phone call was to like a fuckboy that she had a situation ship with. I said, that's the motherfucker you want to call top of the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> I will never forget. And then my anxiety took over and my knees started to buckle. I'm like, well, stop talking shit, Michelle. How are you going to get down? Because uh, heights don't do me well. Not with these titties. But I will say I do remember taking my parents and my husband and my uh, one of my Haitian uncles to Paris for around Father's Day. So it's like beautiful in June. And yes. Paris is like my dad's city, which I always loved. And he showed us around and got in. He made a little map and took us to all the places and like made marks on them. And so I still have that map that I put in a frame. Michelle. Because I knew that was sort of going to be like the last time we did it. Yeah. I'm not speaking for every Haitian, but for the Haitian men in my family, it's always been a dream to go to Paris because obviously there is a deep connection hmm. to being French for better or for worse. Yeah. There's just something about... Um, Yes, having these French African roots and going to Paris and just really living your life the way you're supposed to, right? And so it was just very interesting not only to see Paris through my dad's eyes in his 70s, but also my uncle, who was just getting lost. I'm like, we got to put a little buzzer on him. Like, where is he? In every in every little town we went to, I said, it's a circle. How are you getting lost in a circle? I said, where did you go, Uncle Buddha? Where did you go? He just was walking around, head in the clouds. I love that. Did you go to like Moroccan neighborhoods and, and get some Moroccan food as well or Algerian food? Or did you guys stick to the Parisian? We were there for three days, right? So we went to like, we were in the 11th arrondissement and we were there for three days. So we ate only French 
And I got to do that. I want to I wanna see more. No, nothing wrong with a little hunter coat. Let's go. <laughs> I was just, when you're rolling with children and people in their 70s, it's hard to just like, you got to hit the basics. Yeah. Like we went to the Louvre. We saw Mona Lisa. I had my kid on my shoulders. And then I realized he gained about 10 pounds over the summer. So it's cool. Just slip that disc. It's cool. Grit and grin. Oh, no. I don't do the shoulder thing. Good. You shouldn't do that. Because they'll get used to it and then just be like shoulders. No. What, have you seen how high my ass is? My ass takes up half of my back. <laughs> it is a high ass. Like people truly put their keys on it when they walk in my house. I have not looked at your ass. You haven't? In that way. I have not. You don't have to have look, you look at, at it. Mine? In, what is have you that? looked at Wait, mine? Have you looked you? at mine? Have yes. you looked at mine? We were on a boat together in a bathing suit. Yes. I'm not. Why is everything? Why? I don't do that. <laughs> Why does it always have to be weird and sexual? They're just their bodies. Jesus. We just want to dance. It doesn't mean we're going to invite the devil. <laughs> okay. This is as much as I will allow. Oh, boy. You have thin, nice ankles. Okay? There. This is weird. It feels like, <laughs> feels like I forced you to hold my hand. Okay. Jesus. No. 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 I just didn't th- I think we'd talk about, you know, b- bodies. Uh, as you know, it's my favorite subject. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. <laughs> we can move on. Why guess- are you, like, letting me stew in it? Why are you letting me stew in it? Because it's fun to watch only for me. I don't know how it feels to listen to it, but it's fun to watch for me. Probably everybody's ass is clenched. All right. Speaking of asses, yours is the best. Oh, my God. Why do you have your hands out like that? This is weird. First of all, put your hands down. You look insane. They can't see. Can't see. They can't see, but they can just, feel the awkwardness. I'm having a moment. And um, what about Italy? You were in Italy. LOL, changing the subject much? <laughs> no, come on. Oh, my come God. On. Oh, my God. This is... Please tell me about Italy, please. Do we need couples therapy? Do we need it? Because this is not how we should be communicating. Can I say something? You've come upon a beautiful point, which is like, I think friends should go to couples therapy. <laughs> I think coworkers should go to couples therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it only the married people? That's true. When like all you do in marriage is talk about your other relationships yes. and yes. just like how the dynamics are fucked up. You know, it's like, why can't we do that? I think everyone should learn how to communicate better because English is our first language and we still get it fucked up. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So let's just do, let's do it. Now, do I have time to do it with you? I don't. So I think it's a great idea in theory. I don't have time. I think it's nice to see you. And uh, we both hit record on, on either side to make a podcast. But like, yeah. By the way, we're in the same building right now, but like not together, which is insane. We're in the same building, different rooms. It's a shared yet private experience. <laughs> and that's what we strive for. Okay, so you went to Paris and I went to Italy with my family. Um, So we were staying in Holland and my husband's like, should we drive to Italy from the Netherlands? I said, how long is it? He's like, about a day. I said, why we do that? (laughs) And it's not about a day, but like you need a day to stop and enjoy stuff. I was like, why are we making it harder? He's like, because it's fun. I said, who told you that? Yeah. So like I'm learning and realizing that um, (laughs) European people have a different idea of fun. Mm -hmm. I am very Northeast, very New York. I'm just like, the sooner we can get to the house that we're paying for and I can start drinking bralas by the (laughs) pool, the better. Why would I extend this shit 
with the sciatica and such in a Fiat 500 up and down an Autobahn? No, no. Well, hold on. Yes. You guys rented a Fiat? So when we we took a plane to Milan because that's what real people do. Oh, my God. And we had to get a Fiat 500 because we went to a very charming place called Lake Maggiore. Uh And the roads are very small. You know, the roads are teeny tiny. They are made for a horse and buggy. Ah. And, you know, pretty much I'm the horse and my ass is the buggy because I got a high ass. Not that anyone's noticed like Jordan, but I do. (laughs) Even fitting my titties in a Fiat 500. I was like, is there a 650? (laughs) (laughs) So Italy was very nice, but going up and down these hills... Um, real fucking hills now. Okay. We had a stick shift. Uh-huh. And then there was one time where we stalled and we started to like roll back oh, no. with the kids in the back. No. And so then I felt like a little cling cling in my jaw and I was like, you got it, babe? <laughs> He's like, yep. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm just looking at him like with my eyes like, you got this bitch? Because I don't want to be that bitch. In Italy. And you know what? We made it up the hill emotionally and physically. Okay. And then I started to mm-hmm. see Kais really sweat. He looked like Bruce Willis where he's like the blue wire, the red wire. <laughs> Trust. And then we came across the town. And do you know what the town was called? No. Stressa. This Italian <laughs> town was called Stressa. And I was like, that's it. It's stress. It's charming Italian stress. Yeah. And uh, I asked all like the little uh, Italian people that I came across. I'm like, Y'all grew up driving like this? They're like, yeah, what's the big deal? And I'm like, oof, you just don't know how good you're going to have it when you come to America Mm. with your flat roads and your Walmarts. That's all they know. That's all they know. Were you in the Dolomites? I was. Yeah, that's my favorite mountain range. Yeah. (laughs) That's my favorite. I mean, come on, the Dolomites? I looked over, I got my binoculars. I was just like, I was like, hello, Lugano. Way down in the jungle deep. Anyways, it was great. The food was great. (laughs) Pasta, 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 gelato every day. Sometimes after breakfast, gelato. Because I was like, no rules over here. I know, right? Yeah. So much like, um, what's it? Stretch? No, stracanoni? What is it? Stracitelli? What's the one with chocolate and the vanilla? How dare you? Stracicati. Stracitelli? Oh my goodness. Come on. I don't know. Bucatini? The pasta with a little hole in it. Yum. Okay. Anything that gets in that hole... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What a time to be alive, friend. Here are the rules. And these are the rules by me, not by you guys. But this is how I live. Family vacation, you just have to learn how to pivot. Because it's like going to dinner with like 30 people. Like something's going to happen. Someone's going to be late. Someone's going to be early. Someone's not going to be happy. Someone's going to be like too happy. Like that's what it is, right? Yes. Going on vacation with your, like a vacation, you know, I think like make a game plan. Are we going to be lazy bitches? Or are we going to like be Anthony Bourdain's? Are we going to go like see? Are we going to be little Christopher Columbuses and shit? Fuck him. But you know what I mean. Okay. Do we pick a day? One day we're lazy. The next day we're not. Because there's nothing more annoying than my husband being like, it's 4.30 a.m. Should we see the magical purple sunrise? And I'm like, for fucking what? No. You know what I mean? But like you don't want to be a lazy fuck the whole time. Also... Trips with your friends. Let's talk about that shit too. We gotta talk about yes. who's paying. Okay. Um, how we pay the one person, the type A person that's gonna put their card down. Mm-hmm. Like we gotta talk about what time we should be meeting each other. Like when I went to Jamaica with my friends, I think I told you this. By the time we all met each other in the lobby, the way we were dressed, we were all on different vacations. I was like, oh. <laughs> we really should have talked about dress code. We are in different parts of our lives. 
And I see that some of us are just living like Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville, rest in power. And other <laughs> ones of us are living like, you know, it's our first season on Love and Hip Hop. Real Housewives style. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like, well, where are we going to go? Who are we going to be? But also that's what makes it fun too. It's an emotional rainbow of bullshit. Absolutely. If you make it too tight and too organized and too much of a timetable, it's just not going to be fun. It's giving like, you know, bachelorette party. If you put some basic tenets at work, then you'll be all right. Mm. And when it comes to friends, I think you learn a lot about like whether or not you can hang out with anybody, be it romantic or like a friend on a vacation, second day after breakfast. Yeah. It's like, do they have any ideas? Do they have any thoughts? Are they just going to go back to the room and sleep? You do that. I don't know if we're cool. I think trying something new is fun too. Yes. Whether it's small or big is great. Whether it's hang gliding or a little edible or just even something different on the menu. Mm -hmm. I think just having that memory from your trip of just trying one new thing. And it could even be a fried oyster, bitch. I don't know your journey. Um, I remember a girl in acting class. We had like share time at the beginning sure. of acting class, which I'm just like, wrap it the fuck up, bitch. Like <laughs> everybody has a wedgie during a fucking audition. Like who gives a fuck, right? Oh my God. And this one bitch was talking about her date. She doesn't usually eat oysters because they, they're just gross to her. I was like, I get it. It looks like a fetus in a shell sometimes if it's too big. I understand. <laughs> she was out with a really hot guy and, you know, he brought the oyster and she tried it. Mm -hmm. And it went down and came right back up and landed right in the shell. <laughs> and I was like, that's a really good story. I don't care if it's true or not. That's a really good story. Anyways, you guys enjoy oysters. They're really good in the ER months. Anything that ends in an ER, which is so funny because... Our guest is also named ER. Oh. They're amazing. Um, they're so talented, so tall, so special, so real. I had the pleasure of working with them on a project I did that's really special. Right. On a platform, which we can't say is the N-word. L-O-L. <laughs> take that how you want it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait to catch up with them. So please welcome ER Fightmaster. What's going on, ER? This is my friend Jordan. Have you met him before? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I met him on set. That's right. The day I oh came. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, we met We met then. Yeah, we were at the, what's it called? The I'm going to call it a factory, but it's not. We were at the factory. It's a soundstage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your music's very nice. Thank you. I listened to it uh, the other day. I didn't know that that was like, you, you were like a triple threat. I do like that it's geographical, or maybe you could speak more to that because like, Santa Clarita. Ooh, you listened to Twin, huh? I did, yeah. That's my my uh, my first band is Twin. When I met my drummer, he was like from this like punk background, and I've kind of grown up in like a folk and soul background, mm. and so we kind of met somewhere in surf rock land. And for some reason, <laughs> whenever I was like writing a surf rock song, I was like, well, it should be about a place, <laughs> and like now. I have my own uh, solo music project that's just Fightmaster, and it's like all about gay sex. And I was like, oh, so when left to my own devices, I'm just a gay pervert. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you found in your creative process? Yeah, in my creative process. I was like, when I work with other people, I, I work to be like, what would a song be like if it wasn't about gay sex? <laughs> and then when, and when no one else is involved, mm. I'm like, well, it should be about gay sex. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, you say gay pervert, I say mm -hmm. explorer, because there's a niche that needs to be filled, okay? A lot of niches need to be filled. 
They're begging for it. You know? <laughs> I think you guys are talking about sex. <laughs> I want to know, though, are there any of these, as you've described, mm-hmm. gay pervert songs, are they also, like, geographical or more local to the body? Well, are you okay, Jordan? <laughs> no, it's, I'm just, because there's awesome. I can smell your brain frying right now. It's always frying. I'm always on maximum overdrive. <laughs> it smells nice. Thank you. <laughs> the first bunch of stories that I told, which is like how I think of the songs, was all about place and time. And I think that was like a lot of the writing I was doing in my 20s was about like place and time, like trying to remember these specific memories. And I think as you like get older in your storytelling, like sure, some songs are about memories, but some songs are about like the vastness of a feeling. I would not have in my early 20s been able to write about shame or transness or queerness in a way that felt fun and light and accessible while acknowledging the depth. My first round of songs with Twin are very literal in a way that I appreciate because I can listen to these songs and be transported to that exact memory. But now when I listen to these songs that I have under Fightmaster and I'm releasing these songs, I'm finding that the response I'm getting to them is more, they're reaching a broader audience because they're me tackling a big issue. For example, I wrote a song called Bad Man and Bad Man is a song about not really giving a fuck about how cis men interpret your masculinity. And the gimmick of the song is like, I will fuck your fucking wife. Like the, the, the gimmick of the song is like, you think I'm bad at being a man? Incorrect. I'm a bad man. When I was in my 20s, I was like trying to be like, you broke my heart. (laughs) And now I'm like, how do we tackle a systemic issue, put a pop track on it and make it so that everybody can listen to it and be like, fuck, I think I'm also a bad man. Like a different approach. Yeah. Mm. You know what's great too is that you are giving people language, right? Like a vocabulary to say, oh, I am like this. I didn't know what to call it before. I was just the butt of everybody's joke. Or like I was making myself the butt of everyone's joke just to like cope and go along to get along. Mm -hmm. You know, this sounds so, oh, this sounds like the back of Oprah's magazine, let's eat pesto pizza. But it's like (laughs) the more authentic you are to yourself and what you need, the better it is. That's the special sauce. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I like so much about working with you on what, you know, we will not name. <laughs> we will not speak its name. Mm-hmm. We've been taught this thing where like the white male experience is universal. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding is like, no, story is only universal because we've been trained to empathize with white men, but they haven't been trained to empathize with us people that are complaining about a certain project we work on together having too much sex in it, Mm. they're complaining about it because they don't, they can't see themselves in the sex. No, I was going to say that's also how we got to where we are, like fucking capitalism. Like Mm -hmm. these CEOs are rich white men who are sort of copying and pasting what they've been doing this whole time and it's not working for us. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't more of us. We just have a bigger, better voice now and we're just doing things differently. And so, look, our black, brown, fat, queer sex is making you money. So pay us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, not only pay us, but it seems to be that once they stop projecting that no one's going to be interested in the fat, black, gay, brown, queer sex, 
the whole audience disagrees. The project yes. was number two in the world. Obviously, the audience is disagreeing about what they can empathize with and what they can connect with. And I think that we're finding in a lot of art right now that the more specific your story, like you were saying, the more specific your story, actually somehow the more broad it is because we can all find ourselves in the specificity, but it's actually really hard to find yourself in the quote unquote blank slate, Mm -hmm. which is white cis malehood. Like I'm not finding myself there, but I'm having an easier time watching an art project that is not centering white male bodies. And I'm actually seeing the sex that I have. I'm actually seeing the friendships that I have. Yeah. Like I'm seeing my community. So are they in effect trying to be like the tail that wags the dog? Basically, they're saying that, I mean, in effect, they create the stories. This does not line up. This will either like, you know, whenever you see a success in Hollywood that is not white male specific, people are like, it beat expectations. It's a miracle. (laughs) And it's just like, no, there's a thirst and a hunger for this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like the status quo is well-guarded and defended and is not set up as a harmless device. You know, it's like, it's an existential thing, right? Mm -hmm. So of course, like if you don't see yourself then you think you'll be erased Mm -hmm. and you won't, you won't matter and you'll die. So it's like, yeah, that's, ugh, wow, damn. I never thought of it the way y'all put it. It's also a miracle. It is a miracle. Because the fact that you could still be yourself and show up and get something passed and greenlit. Yeah. That's a fucking miracle. You know, uh-huh. a size 1820. Say that. Bitch sitting on a dick in 190 mm. countries. That's a miracle, bitch. <laughs> that's a miracle. I said it. I said it's a miracle, <laughs> bitch. Because, you know, I'm supposed to always be so thankful that someone finds me fucking desirable. No, these titties are juicy. Get in there. Okay, get camera Mm -hmm. B on the left side. Thank you for saying it so we could. (laughs) But also, talking about trans women in sports, we don't have to, like, get into it if we don't want to. But I just want to say, like, Mm -hmm. by the time a trans woman has lived her life comfortable enough being out or, you know, safe enough to say, I am a trans woman and I will compete in sports That's a fucking miracle. That is a fucking miracle. It's brave as hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why we're just like, everyone's just like, can't believe they did because I really can't believe we made it happen too. It's such a mind fuck though, because they they are gatekeeping something that's so broad. Mm. With the trans women in sports thing, we are seeing that people are gatekeeping womanhood, but you're like, bitch, (laughs) that's half the fucking planet. You can't gatekeep What community are you talking about? You're talking about half of everybody. You know what I mean? Where these CEOs, when they're trying to convince you not to make art Mm -hmm. that's specific to black and brown and queer bodies, they're gatekeeping humanity. They're saying, I'm sorry. There's, it's just that no one's going to be able to see themselves in your story. They're convincing you that you're not Mm. part of the human story. It's absolutely psychotic. It's psychotic. And that's, Sorry, now I'm really going off when I'm not even high, you guys. <laughs> That's why I feel like art and music gets cut. Because people are like, what's the point? It's powerful. They know that. That's why they're trying to ban books mm-hmm. and music. It's powerful. Right. There's so much beauty and knowledge and healing found in art that they're just like, no, 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 no. Do away with this. Let's just keep everybody where we need them. You know how I feel about banning some books. Some books are, I think, Goldilocks should be banned. But I mean, outside of that. Tell me why. Oh, don't <laughs> let him. Don't. Don't tell me why. Well, first of all, Goldilocks was the world's first Karen of all things, you know? <laughs> like, they smash mm-hmm. into this house. This is a smash and grab tale. Caucasity of nope. The caucasity mm-hmm. of the story in the first place. You think <laughs> I can go into a house? 
because I'm I got the munchies and I'm like, don't get up. I, I was here for the goji berries. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Breaking all this furniture, that part, right? What messages are we telling children? And have you noticed these black bears? Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't ask for this. You know what I'm saying? The way we treat black bears versus, versus polar bears. It's all in there, ER, okay? No, it's huge. When he's trying to make a point, he also sounds like a low-budget Obama. <laughs> po- polar bears? Polar? <laughs> the rhythm changes? It's just a fraught story. <laughs> but don't you think that that's why the book is important? Because it tells a tale of white violence? <laughs> It tells a tale of, of heinous white violence. Of white violence. I love that. It's actually one of our first honest recordings of a white woman being like, I'm hungry. And then literally stealing from a black family and being like, ugh, this house is gross. Ooh. Welcome to The View, everyone. I was not ready. You're right. Okay, maybe if we reframe the tale, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Then yes. (laughs) You're right. But I will say, when I was growing up and I read that story, I was like, what? Yeah. There had to be other options than stealing from these bears. What kind of teenagers were you guys? Did you... I, I always see these teenagers in like movies and TV shows and they come downstairs all like hot and bothered and mom's made like bacon and eggs and they're like, I'm not hungry. And I'd be like, bitch, this is expensive. Sit down and eat it. But what kind of teenagers were you guys? You really want to know this? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I want to know. I've never asked and I've known you for way too long. Bad period return. <laughs> <laughs> What? Ass, period, return. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got it. All right, so. Uh, I did. <laughs> you sweet dork. I did not get it. <laughs> ass. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, I was <laughs> the same. I'm like the same. Not much has changed. I, I wake up earlier. And you're right. I often did that to my mom. I'd be like, I'm out of here, mom. And like would grab the eggs and the, on a piece of toast with bacon and slide out. I was a good kid, though. You know, I was like an A minus B plus kid that did art, didn't bang up the car too much, unlucky in love, that kind of stuff. You know, I had a brown car. No one wanted to be with me. ER? (laughs) Well, I think brown cars are cool. Well. Brown cars are cool now. Yes. Also, I'm projecting. I grew up in a brown car. I'm like, they're rad, actually. (laughs) I also had a brown car, a Camaro. Yo. You guys, it was Dookie Brown. Are you serious? I'm from Jersey. What do you want? (laughs) Exactly that. (laughs) Blasting Janet Jackson and Bon Jovi. I will say less. Don't say um, less. I'm soaked right now. <laughs> Wait, that's right, because you said you went driving in the city and it was like impossible to like wheel around because you had this. It was a lot of front. It was all front and no back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like driving a like a like a toucan's beak. <laughs> like it was just too much. Wow. How well put. God damn. I I grew up and my mom was like friends with the the guy who sold vintage cars near us. Ooh. Oh. So we were always in like a 1970s Mercedes that didn't have like heating or air conditioning and you couldn't put the <laughs> windows down. And in the winter, we had to sit in like the trunk or the back seat to get it up hills. Wow. But we were like, but it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Which I understand now that that's still my aesthetic choice. What in the Appalachian Mountains is going on? I mean, (laughs) 
Wait, is that where you grew up? You grew up in Appalachia? I grew up in Ohio. I grew up in Southern Ohio. So, you know, technically Appalachian Mountain Range. Got you. <laughs> <laughs> West Virginia. Mount Mama. See, it's contagious. <laughs> I now have a bunch of cars that are similarly old. And the trick about them is that they explode when they drive. Like you get, like you get in them and they just explode. <laughs> they light on fire, something falls off. But when I park them, they're gorgeous. Like when they're parked, mm, when they're moving, scary. You're calling friends and family to say goodbye. <laughs> it feels like we're all really good at projects. Why? You gotta make do. Yeah. Like the car that I just bought is this beautiful 1994 Forerunner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like gorgeous. It's just like this beautiful light blue. And I like it because it doesn't feel in that same kind of way. It doesn't feel like pretentious, but it feels really well made and blah, blah, blah. And every time I go and make sure it's maintained and get it in the shop and whatever, and I'm driving it around, I do feel a sense of pride at Mm. the project that it is like upkeeping something beautiful instead of buying a new thing makes me feel proud yeah oh my goodness are you dutch yeah are you i am dutch (laughs) what a breakthrough because that is the most (laughs) dutch thing i've ever heard (laughs) you know husband has a furniture store Mm -hmm. mid-century modern danish and dutch and there is this thing that a lot of americans i realize what we don't do is really appreciate what we have because it's always like new now next. Mm -hmm. And so we never really take the time to get to know something. Mm -hmm. You know, we just want like the new thing. And so it is important, I think, for people to do the research and make sure they actually like something and that it, you know, it runs well and is beautiful and, you know, possibly could appreciate. Like we don't do that enough. And I feel like we should. And Dana's Dutch furniture is gorgeous, too. Like, that stuff was built to last. So it's a shame not to put in the upkeep. And it's tiny, but it'll even take a big booty because I've been out here. <laughs> I've been out here and it'll take a booty, which I appreciate. Are you there now? No. Fuck no. I had to come back, boo. Okay. Like, I, ugh, this is a teeny tiny secret. I love Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like Dutch people. A lot of people. Uh-oh. I know. You love one. You know, I, of course I do. I love more than one. <laughs> I had a fantastic time in Holland, but I think, yeah. you know, ER, you were there for a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how it was for you. Same. It feels like I'm having the same conversation over and over again every time I meet someone. I'm American. This is what I think. I was like, can we just do something else? Mm. But, you know, that's also me. I have a mixed, similarly mixed review and some, there's so many things I really enjoy about them. I enjoy them when I intimately know them. Mm -hmm. And then when I have to do like a daily interaction, I'm like, actually, why are you being mean to me? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm too sensitive for them as a stranger. But when you get to know them and you're like, oh, I get it. Like Jan is just rude, but I know that Jan loves me. Yes. Yop doesn't mean to say everything he's thinking, but he can't help it because it's his disease. But then when Janus says something to you while you're ordering coffee, you're like, legitimately, why? Like, I am already having a bad day. I did not need for you to be like, you are ugly for an American man. (laughs) 
Also, Brechia and Mario Lane, you know my ass can't hop on the back of your dumb bike, bitch. Stop asking. Why are you even asking me? Stop asking. Show me where the tram is. Show me where the tram is. I just love the litany of names coming at me. I wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah. The best way to say it is it's an honest culture. I would say another way of putting it is they're abusers. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that about the Dutch. I mean, they're like oh wonderful. Gosh. They're just assholes. They, it, you have to really love assholes. You have to be like, you know, when little women, when they're married to like bad fucking like bearded dudes and they're like, oh, he's he's actually so wonderful and we're alone. That's like what everybody's doing about the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to all of my lovers. I enjoyed you. That's so funny. I thought you were talking about Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. I was like, I don't remember that part. I'm dropping that all the time. Yeah. You know what I do love about Amsterdam, though? I will say their pride is two and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. I feel safe walking down the street anytime, any neighborhood, any time of day or night. Mm -hmm. I feel like. If my kid runs away from me, someone's going to be like, is this your kid? Yeah, it is. Without like the, um, without feeling like I'm going to be like a Lifetime movie. You have to add that they'd be like, is this your kid? Then put it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could like live on a houseboat. I could live there. I could see you living there. I think I can adapt to the orneriness. Mm. I actually do believe anywhere you go, you have to get used to the people. And some places I've been able to do that and some places I haven't. And with the Dutch, I can be like, yeah, they're a bunch of assholes. And then at the end of the day, I can also be like, oh, but they're my assholes. And I think, you know, I am very Dutch. So I probably have a lot of asshole in me. <laughs> Is that the name of this episode? <laughs> yeah. Look. No truer words. <laughs> I'm, well, if it's going to be the name of the episode, I want it to be, I've got a lot of asshole in me and I've been in a lot of assholes. Right. That's the parenthetical. You got to make it beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So every episode, we ask our guests some questions that the audience have sent to us uh, about adulting. And it is really all over the damn place in the best way possible. Yeah. But, ooh, baby, do I just want to start hugging people now that the mask is off and the bra is off? Okay. Ooh. So first question, how soon into dating can you start bad-mouthing your significant other's family and friends? Wow. To who? To, to your close friends? Because that's right away. Yeah, that's right away. I'm going to say a year and a half. 18 months? I, I would say after the first holiday. Mm -hmm. However the first holiday goes down, that's when you can really check in and be like, I'm used to things like this. And they did it like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that shit you can't come back from. So careful what you say, friend. That's so true. Once you've said it, it's out there. Yes. Well, yeah, I'm 16 years in and uh, still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> that's smart, actually. Ooh, this is an interesting... Okay, someone writes in, I wake up anxious every morning. Any advice? Oh, what you do is you grab a gummy, you put it in your mouth, you forget that you took the gummy, <laughs> and then think it's your personality when you finally do relax. That's what I do. Mine's kind of similar. I would say masturbate. Yeah. There you go. I would say breathe. That this sounds really crazy, but like sometimes I'm like, oh my God, why do I feel lightheaded? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you do that kind of like, you know, tantric breath where it's like breath of fire, like you do in some yoga classes where they're like, you ever do that kind of breathing? No, <laughs> I don't get that. 
That's not the vibe. <laughs> um, I do. I do all types of breathing. I love it. <laughs> Big breaths, little breaths, okay. medium size breaths. Um, but it sounds like I'm saying breaths. But I do think um, it's one of two things. As an anxious person, I will say, mm-hmm. can you pinpoint what's making you anxious? Is it just the whole day? Do you have so much stuff to do? You feel like you can't get it done in the day. And so you already feel the drama of overwhelm when you wake up. Or is it like going to see someone you don't want to see? Is it your job? Do you not like your job? And it's sort of like feeding into every part of your body, just waking up. If you can pinpoint what makes you anxious, and if you're just an anxious person, like there's nothing wrong with seeing your general practitioner and just asking, is there something I could possibly take? Now, do I want to support Big Pharma? No. We've already talked about edibles and such, but like edibles for me really depends on the edible because I'm like a plus size kite. I'm flying with titties. <laughs> it's too much. I like to be a little bit more grounded. Ooh, this is a good question. I hate dating apps, but can't seem to meet anyone in person. How can I learn to like dating apps more? They can't seem to meet someone in person? Correct. All right. I wonder, though, if there's an alternate approach to this question, which is like, are there things that you can change about the way that you're interacting in real life that bring you closer to meeting somebody? I think if you're not liking the dating apps and you want to meet someone in real life, then it's not about forcing yourself to like the dating apps. It's about changing your IRL behavior. Agreed. It is about changing that behavior. The way you treat work, whatever your work is, use that energy for dating apps, you know, Mm -hmm. just be a bit more aggressive, not overwhelming, but, you know, change your photo, reach out to people after like three or four exchanges. If you like them, say, do you want to meet for coffee? Just don't keep a lot of my friends just keep talking and texting. It's like, who got time to text that much? You already have friends (laughs) that you still got to call for their birthday and shit. Lock it down. Lock it up. Go to a Starbucks or wherever the fuck. Meet for a coffee. See if you like this person in person. And then keep it moving. Because I feel like, you know, it's like the lotto. You just got to, like, fuck your way to the right one sometimes. I think group events, too. Mm-hmm. When I'm on the market, the first thing that I do is I tell my friends, like, I'm available now. Yeah. And so then when we're going to go, like, have a big friend night at a bar... People are more, when they bring somebody in mind, they already have the energy of like, oh, well, ER is going to be there and ER doesn't have anybody. And so then maybe they'll bring somebody with me in mind. You know what I mean? Maybe they'll bring their friend that's also single. And so you're setting up feelers in your community to be like, I need a little bit of help. That's smart. I love setting people up. I never tell them who it is because people do a deep dive on the Instagram and stuff. Uh -uh. And it's like, don't do that. Just invite them and see if they find their way to each other. Deep dives ruin the first date, man. It's true. Yeah. The first few dates, that's the deep dive. So if you know everything, it can't be as fun and horny. Deep dive, a memoir. (laughs) I hear that the youth culture is using LinkedIn to meet people as well. Oh, yeah. Just to see if they got a job. (laughs) Yeah, to see if they have a resume and what they think of that resume and, you know, references and things like that. So, yeah, maybe it's not the apps. Maybe it's the apps you're using. You know? Yeah. Go to, go to LinkedIn. Yeah, go to Facebook and find somebody in their late 70s to 80s <laughs> and have your life paid for. Oh, my goodness. This is a really good question. What are pantry staples I should always have on hand? Chickpeas. That's good. Chickpeas are good. Yeah. I think black beans. Yeah. Garlic salt. Agreed. Ooh, I would have said kidney. I would have said red kidney beans, but okay, let's go. Okay. The black ones make you a little gassy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm just, like I said, 16 years in, doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) Um, Brown rice. 
Gotta have brown rice. I'm learning so much. I'm learning so much. Granola. Flour, baking powder, butter. Yeah. Um, sugar, soda. pasta, a can of uh, tomato sauce. Yeah. Yeah, you need all the starches you can fucking have and keep them nice and clean. Put dates on them. <laughs> yeah. Truly, if we're just talking pantry, then like you need all them dry goods. Dried fruit is wonderful because it lasts longer than you think it should. Mm-hmm. A little chocolate with a little nut in it. I don't know if you got an allergy in my garbage can. I can eat anything the fuck I want. Hazelnuts and a chocolate. Here she goes. Yum. Here she goes. She's on a streak. Oh my God. We didn't even do the condiments. Go, Michelle, go. <laughs> you know, this is my love language. <laughs> like, I don't need like a doomsday pantry, but you just want to reach in and just be like, mm-hmm. we don't have a lot, but we have a packet of spaghetti and some butter and maybe some parsley and salt and pepper. Uh, let's go. You should have something in your pantry that you can make in 15 minutes so that you don't hurt your loved ones. That's what I am saying about myself. <laughs> so if I have chickpeas in there and black beans and I can cut up an onion and I put some garlic in there, I'll put it in a pan and saute it and I will be full and then I can apologize for my behavior. <laughs> and don't forget the popcorn. Mm. Popcorn should be in a pantry. You know what? Now that I got kids, I always got popcorn. Mm-hmm. It's the best. I actually have some peanuts. You got peanuts? Yes. I'm remembering right now I have salted peanuts because I'm going to boil some peanuts. I'm sorry. I'm from Texas. Did you just say you're going to boil some peanuts? I'm going to boil some peanuts. I like that. I'm from Texas. I haven't heard it said like that in a little while. <laughs> That's the only way you can say it when you're talking about boiling peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other way. And you're going to sell them by the roadside? Yeah. I love that. Okay, cool. Huh, that actually sounds so exciting. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, this question is a doozy. I just moved to a new city. Mm-hmm. How does a straight cis male make new friends with other men who aren't disgusting, horrible, and dumb? Okay, loving him. Right? Yeah. I'm like, thank you for the fucking self-awareness. Um, I'll just step in here. No, I want to <laughs> hear what y'all think. This is, I mean, kind of not helpful because I find a bunch of my cis male, my best guys, I have found through dykes that are like, yeah, he's fine. And then I take them in and I love them forever. Oof. I don't want to find them in a pack of them. Yeah. I want to find the one that's hanging out with a group of people that doesn't look like him mm-hmm. because then they've all co-signed on him and then I can adopt him. That makes sense. So maybe go to a lesbian bar and see where the straight male is. Yes. Or I was going to say a trivia night or like drag bingo. Yeah. Or, you know, something like that. That's a good one. I'm actually in the middle of a kind of um, making a male friend right now. Oh. Okay. So late in life? So late in life? Oh my God. How's it going? Yeah. This late in life, it's going pretty good. He invited me to lunch. Um, don't want to put any labels on it. Um, <laughs> our kids go to the same school. Um, he's really nice. He's an illustrator. He does stuff for like DC and Marvel. It's like, he's cool. He's really cool. So I don't know, guys. I just been hurt before. And I just, I want, you know. The auntie energy <laughs> that Michelle and I, that passed over our faces. Like truly, I, the care that I felt for you while you were describing this man, it was full body Yeah, care. I know. We were like, yes. I love that. Oh, he's an illustrator. I just wanted to work out. Me too. You know what? As you evolve, mm-hmm. uh-huh. so should the company you keep. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yes. You know, you are the company you keep, friend. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. I'll tell you how it goes. Yeah. Um, ER, we asked all our guests, what is the most adult thing you want to do for yourself this year that you haven't had time to do? And it truly could be anything. It could be cleaning out a thing or taking a thing to the trip to the, whatever it is for you. What is the most adult thing? 
that you want to do for yourself that you just haven't had time to do yet? Oh, God. This is a big, like, transitional year for me with this, like, music project that I've started. It feels like I started a small business. And so I'm, like, taking over actually so many parts of my life that I needed to be better at right now. So I'm, like, drinking more water, which sounds like a really basic one, but actually is making me feel so much better. And I'm getting more sleep and I'm working on answering emails. And I'm just realizing that the tedium, like truly like the daily mundanities that I was foregoing because I they were overwhelming to me. When I start my day with a coffee and I knock out like three of those things, I drink a glass of water, I start my day with a coffee, I answer an email. The way that it affects my mental health has been so big mm. where everything else is feeling more manageable because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm my own business owner. If I can start my day with a little order, then I can go have fun and I can let things happen as they come and I can go with the flow. But I can only go with the flow if I start my day very structured. Mm. Nice. I love that. I second that. Thank you. I think everyone does this but me, but it's just I have to make the coffee and then I sit down and I answer one email and I'm done. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, my coffee is everything. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize I was going to be like one of those mom mugs at Marshall's. Don't talk to me. (laughs) But first, coffee. I am that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, ER. I love you. Thank you for doing this silly little podcast. Yes. Thank you, ER. I love you. Thanks for having me, both of you. Like, wow, 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 wow. Yes. That was a good talk. Yeah, that was. You know what? I definitely think you could be, um, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I think you could be um, two things at the same time. Mm -hmm. For me, a lot of times I feel like full and empty, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, this is such an amazing experience, but uh, I kind of wish this and I'm waiting for that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you can be happy and sad and, you know, you can be fulfilled and like still yearn for more. And so like, I love that they're so prolific yes, and fun, but also such a hot mess hmm. in all the right ways. But that's, yeah, you love that in an artist, right? Like the studio is a mess, but what's in the gallery is pristine, you know, and that's beautiful. Yeah, I guess I just should be friends with artists then. <laughs> Aren't you already? Like you're doing it right. No. Not enough artists? No, it's not that. I think... The older I get, it's really hard for, and whatever you do, mm-hmm. like it's really hard for me to be around people who are are not even trying to live up to their full potential of truth. Mm. It's just hard. And I want that for them, but it takes energy out of me in a way where I don't even know how to describe it. It does feel like emotional osteoporosis. So I feel like, I don't know, if you guys are listening and there's something that you're passionate about, who cares about its monetary value? Like just do it because, you know, it'll add value to your life. And that's all that really fucking matters. So you're saying don't ask you to join my fantasy football league. Is that what you're saying? Because the guys are they're so fun. I just thought, I thought. First of all, all those words are disgusting. <laughs> fantasy, football, and league. That's like, yuck. Yuck. I'd rather you go through my medicine cabinet and see what's in there. Ugh. Okay. Is that it? Is that an invitation? No. Okay. I've had enough. It's nice to see you. (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) You guys, thanks for listening. This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Jiha Lee. Our associate producer is Alex Chi. This episode was mixed by John Bradley. Our guest booker is Patrick Kotner. Additional production support from Hannah Kyle Crichton. Theme song and live show DJing is by Don Will. 
Our live show producer is Marianne Ways. Artwork by Jamie Bechtel. Photography by Gijs Vandermost. Executive produced by Karen Kilgariff, Georgia Hardstark, and Daniel Kramer. Follow the show on Instagram at adultingthepod. Email your questions to adultingquestions at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Follow Adulting with Michelle Buteau and Jordan Carlos on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show and visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase adulting merch.